Well, we're starting a brand new series this morning called Mad. So everybody look at your neighbor and punch him and say, I'm mad. No, don't punch him. I'm just kidding. At least don't punch him in the face at least. All right. Hey, hey, I'm excited about this brand new series that we're starting today. And we're going to be talking about over the next several, several weeks called Mad. And I know some of you are going, well, that doesn't sound like a, like a very positive series, Pastor. I mean, this kind of, kind of a negative thing. And it is kind of a negative thing that we see happening in our world today. But I promise you, we're going to learn some stuff. We're going to put a positive thing on it and God's going to do some stuff in our lives. Cause here's the deal. I'm looking around in our society, in our world today at some of the things that are happening. And we just have to be honest and admit that there's a lot of anger in our society today. How many know what I'm saying? Like you see it everywhere that you look, all you got to do is just like open up your Facebook and scroll through for a little bit, especially during the politics season that we're in right now. And there's a lot, I mean, a lot of anger and a lot of just frustration that's happening in people's lives. You just turn on the news and you see it, all the political stuff and people are so divided and there's just this underlying tension that we find in the world that we live in today. You just drive down the road and it's just like, man, I'm just trying to get home from work. And then there's all these people and they're honking. And then sometimes it even comes out of you and you're doing stuff and saying stuff and there's road rage and you're frustrated and you're angry and all of this, like all of this stuff, we have to admit as we look around, the world has gone mad, right? I mean, we look around and there's this anger and just frustration that is everywhere. And we're going to talk about that over the next several weeks in this series. We're going to learn some stuff about how to deal with this and what's causing it and all of that kind of stuff. And really bottom line is this, is that we see it in our world, but it shouldn't be surprising to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up. You can look in your LifeGate app as well today if you don't have your Bible with you. And I want you to turn with me to this passage that's really going to be kind of our key passage for this entire series. It's found in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 10. And here's the deal. We shouldn't be surprised by the anger that we see because the Bible actually predicted that it would happen. In fact, while you're turning there, let me just kind of set up this passage for you just real quick. The disciples are talking to Jesus and basically they're asking him, Jesus, what's it going to be like in the end times? How are we going to know that the end times have come? What are going to be the signs? And so Jesus starts giving them some of the signs that we can look for in the end times. Things like he says, hey, there's going to be war and there's going to be rumors of war. There's going to be nations that are going to rise up against other nations. He says, there's going to be all of these things that are going to happen in the world, all these natural disasters like earthquakes and floods and all of this stuff. There's going to be all this deception and things that are going to be happening in the end times. And then in this passage, Jesus gives us another sign of the end times that maybe is one that we probably, we wouldn't relate necessarily to an end time sign. And yet, and yet it's one that we see happening even in our day today. So let's look at it together Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10. Look what he says. He says, and then many will be what? Everybody say it aloud. Many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of the lawlessness that will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus says, here's what we can look for to know that, hey, we're living in the end times. He says that many will be offended. Now notice he doesn't say a few will be offended. He doesn't say some people will be offended. What does he say? He says many. 
And you know what the truth is? We look around in the world today and this is what we see. Like people are offended all the time. You can't do anything. You can't say anything without somebody getting mad, without somebody getting offended. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And, and because of this happening in our society, in our world today, you know what happens is that political correctness just goes crazy, right? In fact, I wanted to help you today. I want you to make sure that you are politically correct so that you don't offend anyone. And so I thought I would just help you a little bit. Like when you're talking about someone or, or something, Thing. You need to know some of these things that will help you. Like, say you're talking about, maybe you're talking about your husband, and he's one that gets lost all the time and things like that. Well, if you're going to be politically correct, you can't say he gets lost all the time. You have to say it like this. He investigates alternative destinations. <laughs> maybe some of you, maybe you're talking about, you know, a guy, and maybe he's, you know, losing his hair. Maybe he's getting bald on the top. But you can't say that because that would offend someone. So you have to say he's follically challenged, Okay. Maybe it's someone who doesn't talk very much and kind of quiet and you can't say that. That might offend someone. So you have to say, he's a conversational minimalist, okay? Maybe you would say, you know, someone not very smart and you can't say he's dumb or he's stupid. That would offend someone. And so you have to say, he has, he, he suffers from minimal cranial development, okay? Just remember these. These, these are going to help you. Maybe someone, I like this one, maybe someone doesn't dance very well. You can't say that they don't dance very well because that might hurt their feelings and they might get offended. So you have to say, he is overly Caucasian, Okay. <laughs> I like that one. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. Maybe it's someone who's, you know, who's eats a lot and things. You can't say they eat like a pig. That would hurt someone's feelings. So you have to say he suffers from reverse bulimia. Okay. Or you might even say, you know, that, that there's somebody that they think they're really funny and they tell jokes, but they're not really all that funny. You can't say they're not funny. That might hurt their feelings. You have to just say they're a pastor, you know, <laughs> or a dad or whatever. But here's the deal. It's, it, it is funny, the, just the political correctness that runs amok in our world today. And it would be even more funny if it wasn't so true. Because everyone's offended about everything all the time. And there's just this underlining like frustration and anger that so many feel. And here's the most sad part about it, that it's not just the world. It happens even in the church. Even among Christians, in fact, as we study this passage, Jesus is saying, this is the signs to look for in the end times. Actually, we got to notice who he's actually talking to. And look what he says. He says, there's going to be this lawlessness that's going to abound. And then look what he says. He says, the love, everybody say love, the love of many will grow cold. Now, this word love, you got to understand in, in the Bible, when the Bible was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek language is a little bit different than, than English. English, we have love, and it's one word that means love, but in Greek, there were actually lots of different words that meant love, and they would have a little bit of a different connotation to them, and the main words that were used in the scripture uh, for the word love were phileo, so everybody say phileo, and agape, so everybody say agape. Now, phileo was used to describe the kind of love that was kind of a conditional love, kind of the love that you would have, you know, for a friend or whatever, like, I love you, man, that kind of a thing. And yet there's like this kind of condition to it. Like, if you love me, then I'll love you. And if you scratch my back, then I'll scratch your back. And if you're my friend, I'll be your friend. That's phileo kind of love. But then there's another kind of love that is, that's agape love. And agape love is a very 
unconditional love. In fact, it's the love that is used to describe the way that God loves us, that he loves us no matter what we do. In fact, it's the same love that is used to describe the kind of love that God puts down into the hearts of Christ's followers, of those that that we have surrendered our lives to him. In fact, you can only have this kind of love, like this unconditional love, only if you have relationship with Jesus. And so when we look at this passage and he says, the love of many will grow cold, you would think that it would be the word phileo there, but that's not the word that is used there. It's the word agape. So here's what we understand here is that when he says the love of many would grow cold, he's talking about the agape love, the Christian love, the brotherly love that we have as followers of Christ. He says that some people, even Christians, even church going people, people who love God will become so offended that actually the love that they have for God and the love that they have for one another will begin to grow cold. You know what? You look around and you see it, don't you? I mean, I know Christians who at one time I knew them and man, they loved God and they loved people. But now, man, I see just this spirit of offense that they have and they're just, they're angry and grumpy. And you know what I'm talking about? If you know someone like that and they're in the room, don't point at them. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be very nice. But how many know what I'm saying? And it gets to this point where it's almost like, it's almost like all these offenses begin to build up to the place where we just kind of get mad at the world. And I want to talk about that a little bit today and throughout this series, like what causes that? And, and today I want to start by just looking at this, like sometimes it's easy to see others and to see it in others, but sometimes it's more difficult to see it in ourselves. And so I just want to look at like, what are some of the signs that maybe our love is beginning to grow cold? And so I just want to point out a few, if you're taking notes, the first one is, is this letter A is one of the signs is people who are overly critical. You know, here's the thing is like in, in America, like everybody's a critic. Have you noticed this? All you got to do, all you got to do is have a Facebook account or a Twitter or an Instagram or a blog and you too can become a critic because everyone, I mean, criticizes every, everything all the time. And here's what we do. We're so quick to point out the flaws and the inconsistencies and the things that we don't like in others. And yet so easy to overlook those things in our own lives. This is what Jesus was actually, was actually talking about in this, in this passage in uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 3. Look what he says. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brothers, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank that's in your own eye? Jesus says, hey, sometimes here's what we do. We criticize everybody else and we see all the stuff we don't like about them and the little bitty things that we nitpick about them. But then there's a big old log sticking out of our own eye, right? And here's the thing, like, here's, here's a sign that maybe your love has begun to grow cold is when you find yourself being overly critical. Let her be right this one down. Here's another sign that we might have allowed our love to grow somewhat cold is that when we're constantly placing blame. I don't know if you ever played this game before. I think all of us have played it. It's called the blame game. Anybody ever done that before? 
Like we like to blame everyone. And a sign that maybe our love is beginning to grow cold, as Jesus was talking about, is like when we can blame everyone else for everything else. It's like, you know, it's somebody else's fault that, you know, that uh, my life is not the way that I want it to be. Like my unhappiness is someone else's fault. And my messed up marriage can't be my fault. It's got to be my wife's fault. And, you know, it's, it's always, you know, my, my bad health. It can't be my fault. It's McDonald's fault, man. They serve me those Big Macs, let alone I ate him three times, you know, or whatever. No, it's always somebody else's fault. And here's the deal. If you are constantly looking out the mirror to play or out the window to place the blame rather than looking at the mirror to find your own accountability, maybe you might be one of these who's kind of got this mad at the world kind of an attitude. Let her see, write this one down. This is a big one. A victim mentality. How many know somebody like this? Like everybody's always against them. The world is conspiring together just to make my life miserable, right? And there's this constant, just this negativity about everything. And we, we, see, we see all the negative in our own lives and don't even look at the fact that there are other people in the world that have it far worse than us, but our life's just terrible. And I'm always a victim. Let her, let her D write this one down. Man, this is, this is a huge one. People who have allowed this love to grow cold in their lives, people who have, who have this mad at the world kind of an attitude, sometimes they write off entire groups of people. Like, everybody's bad. Like, we see this a lot with, with ladies that are dating. Like, you know, maybe they date a couple of guys. The guys, you know, turn out to break their heart or whatever. And then after that happens a couple of times, it's like, all men are bad, right? And guys, we do it too. Like, you know, we like a girl and they don't like us or whatever. And then we can't trust any women because all women are bad. And we see it. We see it in churches. Like, you know, hey, I saw, I know somebody that goes to that church and they don't do this and that and they hurt my feelings. And so I hate that whole church. That whole church is bad. Or all Christians are bad. Or I get it sometimes even as a pastor. And sometimes, you know, I'll meet somebody, you know, on an airplane or golf course or something. And they ask you, you know, what do you do for a living? Sometimes I don't even want to tell them. Because when I tell them I'm a pastor, then they're like, well, I knew a pastor one time that whatever. And now all pastors are bad. And we write off these entire groups of people. All Democrats are bad or all Republicans are bad. We even do it with sports teams. Like, you know, all Redskins are bad. Well, maybe they are. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just messing with this guy over here that has Redskins, Redskins on. And, and here's what we do is like, like we write off all everybody just because of something that one person did and it's so easy to see it in others but so hard to see it in ourselves in fact some of you even right now as you're listening to the message you're going man I know somebody needs to hear this I sure hope they come to 1150 because that'd be a great sermon for them and yet maybe maybe it's a great sermon for you maybe you have allowed the offenses of life to cause you to have just this this frustrated angry kind of an attitude and maybe you see it in others but maybe God would want to show you some of the areas that maybe you see it in yourself so what causes this like what gets us to this place well we're going to talk about this in the next several weeks in this series and we're going to get a little more in depth about some of these causes but I want to just kind of give you an overview I really think that there are kind of three reasons that America is this way that Christians are this way that maybe you might find yourself this way and they kind of go into these three categories the first one is this letter a if you're writing it down is hurts everybody say hurts here's the deal is the reason that a lot of people are like this reason that maybe you find yourself being like this sometimes is because it hurts. Someone hurts you. Someone did something. Someone said something 
that hurt you, someone offended you, and you hold on to that hurt, you hold on to that offense, and if you hold on to it long enough, what happens is it begins to come out of you in your relationships and in your life, in your daily life, that begins to affect every area of your life. And honestly, sometimes it's big hurts. In fact, I don't want to make light of the fact that some of you are here today and maybe you've had some major things that have caused hurt in your life. Maybe some of you have, you know, maybe have gone through a bitter divorce or you've had a spouse that has betrayed you or cheated on you. Or you've had people that have gossiped about you and have hurt your reputation and caused you problems in your family or your business. Or even, God forbid, some of you even here maybe have experienced abuse and things that are so unimaginable that, man, I don't, I don't want to make light of the fact that, man, sometimes we have hurts. We have stuff that happens in our life. And honestly, when those things happen, it's understandable that you'd be mad. It's understandable that, that maybe you'd even be mad at other people and you would kind of go around with just this underlying thing that's just under the surface. I mean, it's an understandable thing because of the major stuff that has happened to you in your life. It's not God's best for you. That's not the way God wants you to live, but I can understand how you would maybe live that way. The big hurts, but you know what? The truth is that some of us have experienced some big stuff, but honestly, it's not just the big stuff. It's not just the big hurts that can cause us to have this kind of an attitude in life sometimes. Sometimes sometimes it's the little stuff. The little stuff that just kind of kind of accumulates over time, over time, little offense, little offense, little offense that we don't deal with and that we don't we don't let go. And they begin to kind of pile up inside until it just all kind of bubbles up to the surface and it begins to become the attitude that we kind of live with. In fact, this is what I believe Jesus was talking about whenever he was whenever he was talking about these signs of the end times. He says he says, hey, there will be many who will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. You notice the escalation that takes place there? It starts with something little. It starts with an offense. But then that offense, if you don't deal with that offense, then what happens? It becomes anger. And then anger, if you don't deal with anger, what does it, it become? It can become betrayal. And then betrayal, if you don't deal with that, it becomes hate. And before long, you just hate everything and everybody. You're like the George Strait song, I hate everything, right? And that's the way so many people live. And sometimes it just starts with just, just a little thing. Just a little hurt that you don't deal with it. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it accumulates to become something that takes over your whole life. You know, the truth is God wants to bring healing in these areas of hurt. And around here at LifeGate, one of the ways that we see God bringing healing in lives is through our life groups. In fact, this is why we want to see every person at LifeGate get involved in a life group of some kind. Because it's in the life groups where we actually find freedom and we find healing from those hurts. When we're able to gather around a table and discuss these things with friends and people that love us and pray about these things. So that God can give us healing for these areas of our lives. Sometimes we, we have this because of hurts and things that have happened to us. But let her be right this one down. I think this is a, this is a huge one for so, many time, for so many of us. Sometimes it, it may not be the hurts. Maybe it's a unmet expectations. Everybody say expectations. In fact, sometimes the reason that we find ourselves with this underlying kind of anger, the reason that our love can kind of can kind of grow cold for God and for others is because we place expectations on life and on people that sometimes can be unrealistic. And then when those expectations are not met, then what happens? We're frustrated. 
In fact, there's a principle that I've taught you this before, and we're going to look at it a little more in depth in this series, but let me just kind of review it. It's called the expectation gap. So everybody say expectation gap. And the expectation gap, here's how it works, is that when what I expected is over here and what I actually experience is over here, when, when what I expect to happen doesn't match up with what actually happens, then in between those, there is a gap. And what fills up the gap between expectation and experience? What fills it up? Frustration, right? Anger, like I thought it was going to be this way and then it was this way and now I'm frustrated. Like, just let me just give you a little, a little example of this. Just imagine that, that my wife says, hey, babe, dinner's going to be on the table at 6.30 tonight. I know this is not a very realistic illustration in my household, but my wife's not here, so I can say that. But just imagine that she said, okay, at 6.30, I'm going to cook dinner, be home at 6.30. And so she expects at 6.30, I'm going to be home, but then something comes up and I get called and I don't make it. And it's 6.30 and I'm not there. And then it's 7.30 and I'm not there. And I finally show up at 8.30 and I didn't call. She expected me to be there at 6.30, but what she experienced is that I was there at 8.30. There is a gap. Now, what's filling up the gap? Anger. Come on. She's mad. Amber's mad. She's frustrated. She's angry at me because she expected one thing, but she received something else. And so there's a major gap. And this is the way it is for so many of us in our lives. We have these expectations. And then when those expectations go unmet, then we are frustrated and we're angry. And then it becomes anger at everything. Like some of you, man, I expected that when I'm, by the time I'm 25 years old, I'm going to be married and I'm going to have that perfect husband that's going to sweep me off my feet and this is what I expect for life and I'm 25 and I don't have it and I'm 35 and I don't have it and I'm 40 and I expected it to be at 25 and here I am at 40 and I'm not married guess what's in the middle in between there frustration there's a gap I'm mad I'm frustrated because life didn't go the way that I expected it to go sometimes it's like this hey I expect Christians to act a certain way I expect the church to be a certain way I expect people to treat me in this way and then though there's some of those Christians that maybe don't live up to expectations and they don't treat you the way that you thought that they should treat you or they don't do what you thought that they should do and so there's a gap and now suddenly it's like man I'm mad right like I expect a pastor to act a certain way and, li- and be a certain way. And then sometimes even pastors are imperfect. I know this one's pretty close, but not quite. <laughs> I'm just messing. I need to work on humility. That's where I need to work on a little bit. But we expect the pastor should, you know, he's going to, I expected him to be there when I was in the hospital. I expected this. I expected whatever. And then the pastor maybe drops the ball and this is not what I experienced. And then I'm mad or I expected that when I became a Christian, that everything was going to be good and God was going to bless me and he was going to answer all my prayers as soon as I, as soon as I prayed for them. And I just expected that there wouldn't be any problems or any, any struggles or whatever. But then reality sets in and over here, I had some problems and God didn't answer every prayer as soon as I prayed it. And there was some struggles and some stuff. And so now there's this gap and the expectations that I placed on people or on God or on whatever, on situations in my life, they didn't come about. They were unmet. And then what happens? There's this frustration that I feel sometimes in life. Come on, right? And there's, there's the unmet expectations sometimes because we, we place these high lofty expectations on people that really are unrealistic. And it causes this underlying frustration to happen inside of us. Letter C, write this one down. Man, this is a huge one. 
Sometimes the frustration is caused by our own guilt. See, sometimes we're mad at like what someone said or didn't say or what someone did or didn't do. But if we really peel back the layers of the surface, we realize that maybe I'm not really mad at what they said or what they didn't say or what they did or what they didn't do. Maybe actually if I really look honestly, maybe what I'm really mad at is myself. What I said or what I didn't say or what I did or what I didn't do. And ultimately, sometimes the frustration comes out of our own guilt. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this one down. We tend to see in others the things that we most dislike about ourselves. You ever notice that? Like we tend to point out in others the things that we don't like about them, but what really it is sometimes is the things that we dislike the most about ourselves. I mean, for example, you think about the Bible story of, of David. You might remember his story, how he sinned with Bathsheba, all the mess that he got himself into. And yet, even when he was in that, he still didn't really recognize the gravity of what he had done and how he had sinned until his friend Nathan came to him and Nathan told him a story that was really about David, but he told it about someone else. He says, hey, there was a guy, a rich man, who went to a poor man who had a pet sheep and he stole that pet sheep. And David gets mad about it. Like, we got to find that guy. We got to throw him in prison and we got to whatever. And then Nathan looks at him and goes, no, no. You're the guy. And what was happening was David was seeing in someone else the thing that he was most mad about in himself. And, in himself. and sometimes the truth of the matter is, is that the reason we're so mad is because we have, we have guilt over things that we have done that we have not yet received God's forgiveness for. Maybe even God has forgiven us, but we haven't allowed ourselves to forgive ourselves. So what do we do? Like, what do we do about this kind of thing that's happening in our, in our world today that may be even happening in your life today? Well, we're going to talk about it more in depth in this series, but I'm going to boil it down today in the next couple of minutes just to this one word that really is the answer to it all. And the one word is this, surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. You know, the truth is we live in a world that's all about it's all about our rights. I have the right to this and I have the right to something else. It's like a very entitled kind of a world that we live in. And this is the reason that we get angry and frustrated sometimes because that's the reason like when someone, you know, cuts you off in traffic that you get so mad because it's like, I own this lane. I have a right to this lane. I am entitled to this lane. How many know what I'm saying? It's the reason when things go bad in our lives and we had a bad day, we get frustrated because deep in our heart, we think, well, I'm entitled to have a good life and to have good day. I mean, I live in America and I have the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so I have the right to be happy. So when stuff makes me unhappy, then I'm mad. Right? And, and this, is, this is the way we, we see in life. Like we have the right to all of these things. And the only way to really find freedom from this kind of frustration that comes out of this attitude is actually to take on the attitude of Jesus. And what was Jesus's attitude? Jesus' attitude was that he gave up his rights. In fact, we see it in the book, in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter, chapter 2 and verse 6. Look what it says about Jesus, that Jesus Christ who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself what? Everybody say it aloud. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus, the very son of God, he himself 
was God. He was the one who had the right to everything. He owned it all. And yet he gave up his rights and came down to this earth to give himself for us. And the Bible says the attitude that Jesus had, that's the kind of attitude that we ought to have. In fact, that's what it really means to be a Christ follower, to give up my rights to follow after what God has for me. In fact, I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, if anyone would come after me, he must lay down his life, take up his cross and follow after me. That if anyone seeks for his life, he's going to lose it. But if anyone loses his life, he will, he will what? He will find it. How do we find life? Lay down our lives. Give up our right to be offended. Give up our right to be angry. Give up our right to have whatever it is that we think we have a right to. Because here's the deal. When you came to Jesus, you know what the Bible says when we come to Jesus? If you're a Christian today, when you came to Jesus, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that you died to your old self. And you took up new life in him. You know what? The last I checked, dead people don't have rights. And so, so many times we're holding on to these things that we think I have the right to this or that or something else. And that's why we're so mad. And if we just come to the place where we go, wait a minute, if I'm a Christian, I gave up my rights when I came to Jesus. I laid down my life because he laid down his life for me. And here's the thing, man, let me just tell you something. You have no right to be offended, no matter, even if it's been, even if it's been something that is one of those big hurts. Yes, I know those things hurt. And in, in, you know, non-godly eyes, we look at that and we go, I have a right to be mad about that. But you know what? The only person who was ever without sin, the only person who ever had any right to be offended was Jesus. And guess what? We offended him when we sinned, but you know what he did? He forgave all of our offenses. And because he has cleared the debt and, and made us debt free, made us free in him because he has forgiven us. You know what we're called to do as Christians? forgive others. Because he took our offenses, we can no longer hold on to any offenses because of what he did for us. And so here's my challenge for you today. This week, this week, when you find yourself frustration, just kind of bubbling over, whatever it is that makes you feel frustrated, just remember, I don't have a right. I don't have a right to be mad. I don't have a right to be frustrated. I don't have a right to have a good life. I don't have a right to any of this stuff. I was a sinner. But God showed me mercy. He should have judged me, just like we sang earlier. He should have judged me for what I did, but he didn't. He gave me mercy. And because he gave me mercy, because he took my offenses, I no longer can hold on to the right to be offended either. And when we come to that place, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationships. It'll change everything, your attitude. It'll change everything when you come to this place where you realize, where you finally, fully surrender.